All right, all right. God is good, amen. Well, I'm too old to get embarrassed, so if I mess up, I can cover up. I don't know what the rest of y'all are going to do. <laughs> amen. Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4. Well, I'm not going to keep you very long this morning. I want you to have time to go hunt your Easter eggs. I want to just minister to you for a few moments. I don't know if you watch the news much or, or pay any attention to that. But when I, when I first got into church uh, back in 1974, the minister ministered the day that I got saved on the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. When, when he ministered that particular sermon, and of course he put a lot of hail in there and stuff like that, well, I thought that Jesus was going to come right then. That's what I thought. And uh, Diane and the kids were going to heaven and they were going to leave me here. And my eventual uh, arrival would be in hell. Well, over the years, we've heard that sermon, and we've heard that sermon, and we've heard that sermon concerning the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I think that uh, probably if there's any subject that has gotten cold, it's that subject concerning the coming of the Lord. I heard a uh, survey yesterday on Christian radio. People that, how many percent of the people believed that the Lord Jesus would come back? And they talk, it's a survey among Christians. Well, that was, survey was only 20-something percent of the church that believed that the Lord Jesus would come back. Then there was a, another percent that believed that uh, he has been here, but he wasn't coming back. And then there was a, another percent that really didn't believe that, that uh, any, any part of that was true whatsoever. So, you know, and in, in then listening and knowing the prophetic side of the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, the signs that precede him, and then listening to the news and listening to the things that go on uh, in the world system today, well, it quickens my heart, it quickens my spirit that Jesus is coming. Amen. And, and when our president went over to meet with the other uh, leaders of the world and they had discussed a one-world money system that no longer would... We have different currencies such as dollar, euro, and, and whatever else they use. But now they would use a, a new uh, world system of money. Well, you know, money's only worth what is backing it up. Like our system, we have gold to back up the dollar. Well, the more dollar you got and less gold you got, the less value it is. 
Well, so they have decided that oil would be the system that backs up the money that they, that they currency. Well, now in the midst of that come out another interesting uh, uh, survey. They said that they were even talking about a one world government. Now, when they began to talk about a one-world government, they got to have a one-world leader. And all the leaders we have now would like to have that position. But I'm telling you, there is a leader that is in the shadow that they have not seen, but when this opens up, he will appear. He will be the Antichrist. You say, well, we would know him immediately. But, But... I'm telling you that he will be very easily elected because he knows all the problems that are occurring because he caused the problems. And he knows how to, how to move things around. But anyway, he will be elected as the Antichrist. Now, I don't know how much the United States will be involved in the tribulation period. I believe that it will be worldwide, but I don't know. I think it, in my thinking, my, my process is that it will be more in some countries than others because they say some things you can't do to certain people. Now, I understand that because there are certain people that in this world and in the United States of America that are smart enough that they're not going to cooperate with that system. So I, I don't think that it will cover this part as much as it will cover uh, other parts that, like Somalia, different places in, in uh, poverty-stricken and dictator-ruled. See, we've never been dictator-ruled. We've always been under a government that we have elected. And so when, when uh, the dictator comes in, there will be some resistance against him. All right. But but I said all of that to kind of lead into this that as we read those times we we talk about uh, we're living in dangerous times but Paul called it or Peter called it perilous times that we were living in. See, we do, what I want you to understand is that I'm not afraid that Jesus is going to come. Amen. I'm not afraid that that he could catch us up away. I could wake up this morning and, and, and if Jesus was to come, it would be an exciting uh, 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 trip for me to leave this place. Matter of fact, sometimes I do a little rapture test. I jump up and if I come down, he didn't come. <laughs> if I keep going, it's, I'm, I'm all right, amen? Praise God. But, but, but we do that. But why? We tease about it. We joke about it. But we're not afraid. We don't live by fear. Now, there are people that would believe that, uh, that fear would cause them to be, uh, to, to be afraid of the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, believers operate in the kingdom of God. Now, so by operating in the kingdom of God, then we should be able to uh, recognize the things of the Spirit of God that come into our life. I mean, in other words, when I see something spiritual happen, and I'm telling you, this one world currency and the things that they are beginning to step into, these are spiritual things. 
It's not a natural thing. They are spiritual things. So when I see spiritual things, the Bible tells me to look up. He said, for your redemption draweth nigh. So we are to keep our eyes on Jesus and, and I want to encourage you that we must absolutely draw closer to Him today than we have ever drawn before. We've got to, we've got to cause ourselves to come to Him. Listen, He can't get any closer to us. We have to draw closer to Him. His arms are open. His heart is open. His doors are open and He is calling for us to come. He, say, he says, come. He says, I, I, behold, I stand at the door and knock. He says, open the door. Now, if you've ever, ever seen one of those pictures where Jesus stands at the door and knock, have you ever seen one? If you'll notice, there's not, there's not a doorknob on that side. It's on the inside. It can only be opened from one side. And that's the side that you control of your heart. So believers are, should know by operating, and we preach this a lot here, operating in the kingdom of God, that we should know the things of God. You know, it, it's, it's, it's almost hilarious to me. I've, 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 been, I've been preaching so long, and I've been in this so long, that, that things that people uh, say a lot of times, uh, well, let me give you an for instance here. Uh, you know, I was in a service one time, and this is not me talking, and, uh, and, and somebody was in a wheelchair, and the preacher prayed for them. They got up out of that chair. Ooh, that scared me. <laughs> you know, that don't scare me. That doesn't make me afraid because there's no fear in God. Amen. You understand? That encourages me. That causes me to know that if he touched that person, he'll touch me. If he touched that person, he'll touch someone else. And he'll do it for this one and he'll do it for that one. So, so therefore, we don't, we're not, we don't walk in fear. We walk in the kingdom of God. See, these things should not be uh, uncommon to those who are, operate in the kingdom of God. Amen. They should be common things. We, we should not be uh, amused. You know, more people are amazed that God answers their prayer than they are when He don't answer their prayer. Amen. I mean, when, when God answers their prayer, they say, Lord, I couldn't hardly believe it. God answered my prayer. Oh, thank you, Jesus. How, well, you know, you ought to be amazed if He don't answer your prayer. See, He says, if you ask anything in my name, I'll do it. He says, he says, behold, the door is open. He says, he says knock and I'll come in. Well then, he, if, if he's given us all of these promises, why should we be uh, uh, amused or amazed that he answered our prayer? Should be common, everyday things. Well, I need to get on with this. <clears throat> so, we have a supernatural ability to live fearlessly and victoriously. What do you mean? We have a supernatural help that causes us, no matter what happens in this world, no matter what happens in the kingdom of darkness, that we have a supernatural ability to live fearlessly. Amen. Well, thank you, brother. Praise God. I think I got a dollar. I'll give you for that. Amen. I'm having to buy these things nowadays. But uh, catch me after church, I'll give you a check. But anyway... <laughs> Even in the midst of, of chaos, 
uh, we, we can rest assured that God will shield His people from the evil that will increase in these last days. Now, I wished I could say to you that I knew exactly when Jesus was coming. I don't know. Nobody knows the time. No matter, no one knows when He will come. But the Bible says He will come in a moment in a twinkling of an eye. So I, I put that in my heart and I trust that to God. I don't walk around every day afraid that Jesus is going to catch me off guard and come and leave me behind. But I can walk by faith and not by sight and believe that God loves me and believe that God cares for me to the point where that He, if He comes, my friend, I, I don't know about you, but I'm, on, I'm planning on going in the first load. Amen. Some people want to go before tribulation. That's when I'm going. Some people want to go in the middle of tribulation. Stay long as you want. Some want to go at the end of seven years. Help yourself. Go do what you want to do, but not me. I have plans of leaving with the first load. So we don't have to be full of cares. Look in Philippians 4 and 6. Be anxious for nothing. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be known to God. What's this say? We don't have to be full of cares. And we are. Whatever God tells us not to do, that's what we end up doing. When Jesus was on that boat, and, and he was, they were going to the other side of the, of the sea there, and he got on the boat, and uh, the storm came. Well, he was in back asleep. And uh, that's what y'all always accuse me of doing. He was in the back asleep. And they went and woke him up. Said, Master, don't you care that we perish? The storm's about to sink this ship. So he goes to the front of the bow and he stands up and looks at the storm. And... Uh, the, the Greek says, he said, be quiet. And it calmed down. And then he told the disciples, he says, why are you afraid? He said, you could have done this. He said, you have faith in God, you could have done that. And then when he walked off, the Bible says, they feared exceedingly. They were more afraid when the storm quit than they were when the storm was raging. They, they feared exceedingly. Why? Because a man spoke to the wind and the wind ceased. And a man spoke to the water and the water became calm and it, it made them afraid. Well, you do that today and they'll laugh at you. Amen. Well, who are you? You're going to speak to a storm? Done that. My house still standing. Amen. <laughs> I won't get into that. We'll go on. What we have to do is rely on God and trust His supernatural ability to take care of you and protect you. Amen. See, instead of worrying, we make our petitions known to God. What? We pray. We seek God. Now listen to me. We don't have to pray in a, in a way that sounds like begging. We don't have to plead with God. We don't have to beg God. What we have to do is pray the Word of God. Amen. We pray what the Word of God says is the answer to our problem. Well, do you know what that means? That means that you're going to have to know what the Bible says. 
So you're going to have to read the Word of God and then you pray the answer to your problem. I mean, if you have sin in your life, what's the answer? Forgiveness. So what do you do? You ask for forgiveness. You don't plead the, sin, the case of the sin. You don't say, Lord, I, I, I'm, I'm an old rugged, ragged, pitiful sinner. I sinned against you, God. And you know, when I got saved in 1974, I, I think I was 25, 26 years old, and uh, I've done that much sin, 25, 26 years of it. I couldn't name all that. I couldn't stand before God and say, let me see, I, I lied. Man, I didn't have that many fingers and toes. I, I, you know, I cheated, I did this, I did that, I did this. And you know, you can't, how can you name all your sin? So what do you do? You plead forgiveness. You ask God to forgive you of all your sins. You don't have to go before God and name all those sins out there so that, so that he can forgive all of them and then you forgot one, then what are you going to do about that? So what you do is you plead with the Lord uh, to forgive you of all your sins. See, you, play, you pray the, the answer to the problem. If you got sickness in you, you don't have to go before God and tell Him about the sickness. You just go before God and give Him praise for the healing and the answer to the prayer that you are asking for. Amen. See, God has secured our lives. He told us in 1 Peter 5, 6, and 7 to cast all our worries and concerns on God for He cares for you. Cast all your worries on God. Cast all your concerns on God because He cares for you. See, our worries. Did you know it's a sin to worry? Because it's doubting God. It's saying to God, I don't quite trust you. Because I'm going to, and, and because I don't trust you, I'm going to take this problem and I'm going to worry about it. And I know that sounds simple, but that's what we're saying. All right, I got a, I got a child here that, that uh, uh, won't go to church, gonna go, looks like they're on their way to hell, so I'm just going to sit up all night and worry and fret and be concerned about that. No. I'm going to cast that care over on the Lord and say, Lord, I, the, you know they're my children. You know I've pleaded the blood. I've dedicated every one of them to you. And God, I ask you to keep your hand upon them and do whatever it takes to bring them back to you. Amen. And now I'm going to go on and rejoice. I'm going to have a good time. I'm going to do the one, be the one having a good time. They're going to be sitting around worrying about mom and daddy. The mom and daddy are going to be shaking their legs somewhere. We, we're not going to be sitting around worrying about that. Amen. Cast all your worries and concerns on God. He cares for you. And there are certain things that, that you will not be able to do in your natural ability. See, there are, they are things that we have to rely on God for because they're impossible for us to do it in our own natural way. But we try, don't we? See, we try. When you rely on God completely, what He does is He accepts the responsibility of taking care of you. Amen. He accepts the responsibility to take you. You become God's responsibility. Amen. What does that mean? That means you, you totally rely 
upon God. You totally trust Him for everything. Everything. You know, I've had people say, they would tell me, say, well, I had a headache and, and I just didn't want to God, bother God with such small things. And so I just took two Tylenol. Now, I'm not against taking medicine. Don't get me wrong. But, but to put it in that frame, I'm not going to bother God with something small. Well, God cares for you. And what I say is this. If you can't believe God for something small, how are you going to believe God for something big? Amen. If, if, if you've got more confidence than a Tylenol for a small problem, what's you going to take when you get a big problem? He cares for us. And so we got to trust Him with all of our heart and with all of our might, with all that is within us. Just, just trust Him with your heart. See, what we do is we refuse to worry about what's going on in the world. There are people today that, that every time they get a news report, they get ulcers in their, in their life. Over in Psalms 37, 1 through 10, I won't turn there, I don't have time, but you can read it. Refuse to worry about what is going on in this world. Amen. Refuse. Listen to me. These politicians, they don't, none of them make a decision to suit me. Huh? And they probably don't you either. Amen. But, but don't worry about it. Nothing we can do about it. Let it go. Amen. Vote for somebody else next time. And do not be envious of wicked people. They'll soon be cut off. There's, because there is profit, P-R-O-F-I-T, increase in serving God. See, God will add to you. There is profit in serving God. Now, I don't care how many people preach against prosperity, but prosperity is God's way. Amen. Increase is God's way. That's what God wants to do. He wants to cause you to have more than enough. Some people just want enough, but God wants you to have more than enough. I mean, when, when Elijah showed up uh, to, at that lady's house where they had uh, going to repossess her sons. Hey, they had a great debt over them. The, the husband had passed away, and she told the prophet, she said, if, somebody, if something don't happen, they're going to come get my sons. You know? Who ever heard of if you didn't pay a bill, they'd repossess your kids? Huh? But they were going to repossess those kids. Some of y'all wouldn't pay. Y'all would go bankrupt. Come get them, God. Come get them quick. <laughs> Amen. But he says, what do you have in the house? She said, I just have a little cruise of oil. He said, get as many containers as you can find. And they went out to the neighbor's house. They borrowed containers. They brought them in. And they began to pour out that little cruise of oil. And they filled up every container. And the, and the, and the, and the, the oil stayed. And the Bible says that they filled every single one of them. And they still had that left over. What was that? That was more than enough. She had enough money to pay the debts and to live the rest of her life. How many of you would like to have enough money to live the rest of your life? Amen. See, God, in God's kingdom, He's not trying to make you just get by. He's trying to bless you to the point where that you have everything that you have need of in your life. Amen. God doesn't put any, any uh, uh, ABC or, or whatever on your needs. He doesn't say, well, you know, 
Uh, it's more important that you have food than you, and it's really important that you have clothes. And, you know, he doesn't, you know, put them in order like that. God wants you to have whatever you need in your life. What is it you need today in your life? God wants to give it to you. He's not holding back. God, listen, God's not afraid of money. Listen to me. He is not afraid of money. He knows what to do with it. And when we trust God with our finances, God wants to give us increase. And increase is not a, a normal word as, as we would use in the English language, but in God's language, it's more than enough. More than you would ever use. He said that a man should leave an inheritance to his children, his children's children, and his children's children's children. Oh, his great-grandkids. Now, how many of you got enough money to do that? Some of y'all are looking at me, you ain't got enough money to take care of yourself. Well, he's doing that because he wants you to have more than enough. More than enough for you, more than enough for your children, more than enough for your children's children, and more than enough for their children. Amen. Amen. That it just keeps passing on down. That they can't say, I heard a country western singer said one time, Garth Brooks, he said, I could never, my grandchildren could never spend the money I got. I started thinking up a song about a pickup truck and a dog and a gun and said, man, I make me some money. <laughs> Amen. Well, if, if a sinner can do that, there's a scripture in the Bible that says a sinner, the world knows how to work their system better than the church knows how to work the kingdom of God. Because, because we, we have a problem with giving. See, if, if you have, if God, how many of you would, would, if you could pray the prayer today, I'm getting real spiritual on you now, and and God would say, ask what you will. And, and I prophesied to you, if you ask, God will cause you to have a million dollars right now. <coughs> How many of you would like to have that million dollars? One, Brother Eddie. All right. The <coughs> rest of them didn't raise their hand, did they, Eddie? Of course, mine was up. <coughs> Do you think we'd have church right here for a few minutes? Huh? I guarantee people against speaking in tongues wouldn't have no trouble speaking in tongues. Huh? <laughs> people didn't believe in shouting wouldn't have no trouble with shouting. You say, huh? Oh, I don't believe in running in church, but boy, that million dollars hit your hand, you take off. But then, what if God said, I need you to give that back? Huh? <laughs> some, some of y'all. <laughs> I just need you to give it back. Because if you give it back, I'll multiply it a hundred times. Huh? But we still, whew, God, I'll give you 900,000. But see, that's not what he asked for. He asked for me. Just give it back. And see, that's our problem with the finances in the kingdom of God. God causes it to come to you. 
but you have a very difficult time in sending it back. So what do we do? We delight ourselves in the Lord, and He'll give you the desires of your heart. And we commit our ways to Him, and we roll every care over on Him. Cease from anger and rest in Him. Walk, wait on the Lord, the Bible says, and you will inherit what He promised. Boy, we're the most impatient things. You know, whatever God tells us to do, He says, wait, we get impatient. See, worry is the response of an unrenewed human heart toward the difficulties of life. See, the Apostle Paul and his companions were in a, in a very stressful and dangerous environment. I want you to look in 2 Corinthians. I'm going to start closing now. Y'all know what that means when a preacher says that, don't you? Nothing. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 8 through 10. Look at Paul. For we do not want you to be ignorant, brethren. That's what the old maid said. I wouldn't have none of you ignorant, brethren. <clears throat> okay. Of our trouble, which came to us in Asia, that we were burdened beyond measure. Have you ever been there? Amen. Above strength so that we despaired even of life. We thought we were going to die. Yes, we had the sentence of death in ourselves, that we should not trust in ourselves, but in God who raises the dead. Amen. Sentence of dead on, death on me, but I'm going to be raised. Who delivered us from so great a death and does, and does deliver us in whom we trust that He will Deliver us. Who delivered us from so great a death and does deliver us in whom we trust that He will deliver us. The Apostle Paul, they, they were unbearably weighted down and began to hate life itself. Listen to me. Don't raise your hand on this one. But how many of you ever prayed, Lord, just let me die? I'm through. Amen. This, this trouble, if I could just die, I would get out of all this trouble. This perplexity is so hard and so tough that I can't hardly stand it. I am weighted down with trouble to the point that I want to die. That's what Paul was saying. He said, help me. This thing, just let me die. This thing is so heavy on me. Now, I don't know if any of you have ever been so perplexed, but I have. I've had things against me in my life that just, if, if Jesus would just kill me right there, it would be fine. I know that doesn't sound like a good confession, but it was so heavy, I could hardly stand it. And the perplexity of it. It was unbearable. But, as Paul, we learn to depend on God for strength and security in the midst of turmoil. That's so all you could do is just say, God, help me. I've, Brother Eugene, I've been so perplexed before that I could not even pray. All that would come out of my mouth is, God, help me. God, help me. God, help me. I went days, and that's all I could say. 
God help me. You say, what could have done that? The attack of the enemy. You know, the Bible says that we don't war with flesh and blood. But the devil uses flesh and blood to attack you. He will use somebody has to be his spokesperson. I remember one morning before church, my first church pastor, boy, I was on fire. I had it going. Nobody could preach good as me. Nobody could make decisions like I made. Nobody could do anything like I did. I was so good. Well, I hadn't always been good as I am, but anyway. <laughs> Had five men show up at my house one morning before church on Sunday morning. We had a special day that day. Had my wife's parents were coming in and different people were coming into the church and we were just so excited. We were going to have a big day. We were going to have more than 20 people. We were going to have a big day. It was a home mission church. I began the church and we were working there and had this one guy that had been there. He'd been already been in every church in Baldwin County, and, and so he was in my church. One Sunday, he come to me. He said, Brother Williams, I want you to know that you're the best preacher I have ever heard. Well, see, that's always red flag should go up. He said, he said you preach out of the New Testament better than anybody I've ever heard. He said, he said Jimmy Swagger can't preach like you preach. I knew I, said, I knew I took his job too cheap, you know. <laughs> I should have got more money for it. And uh, went on. Then that guy was the leader of the ones that come to my house that morning. And in front of my wife and children, they began to tell me how sorry I was, how pitiful I was. I didn't know nothing about the Word of God. Now then, would you repeat that? Because you're in my house. And they decided they'd leave. But the heaviness of that come on me. The spirit of that thing was left on me. And I had to do battle with that. Then all of a sudden, I didn't want to go to church. I didn't, they didn't deserve to hear me preach no more. <laughs> That's right. They going to feel that way? The hell will them. Right. Go on to hell. I don't care. Hang around here long, I'm going to help you on your journey. <laughs> I was ready. And I had to go anyway because my wife told me I did. <laughs> like the man was laying in the bed on Sunday morning. His mother come in, woke him up, said, it's time to go to church. You got to get up and go. I'm not going today. She said, you got to get up, son, and go to church. No, ma'am, I'm not going today. I don't want to go down there. Them people are cold. They're indifferent. They're mean. 
and I just don't want to go to church today. She says, son, I'm going to give you one more chance. Get up. Let's go to church. He said, give me one good reason why I should. She said, you're the pastor. <laughs> That's about the way I felt. But God came through, Brother Eugene. God broke that off of me so that I could be free from, from what man would say about me. And, and you know, it's a good thing that I faced it early in my ministry because what was left, uh, what was going to happen in future years was going to be worse than that could ever have been. But what that did was it gave me strength to know that God would help me and set me free from it. Amen. Seeing God still delivers today. He provides a way of escape from dire situations. He will help you get out of that situation. No matter what it is, God will provide an escape. You can look at Daniel in the lion's den. You can look at the three Hebrew children in the fiery furnace. You can look at Jonah in a well. They are always, God delivers out of those situations. And he will deliver you from the destruction and draw you and draw you to himself. He will deliver you out of that. Let me tell you something. No matter what this world economy says, we're not in it. Amen. We're in the economy of the kingdom of God and we don't have to join up with that. And we don't have to listen to it and you don't have to be afraid. You know what I mean? If people are afraid that immediately they're going to lose their house, they're going to lose their car, they're going to lose their job, and, and all of a sudden fear just come over thousands and thousands of people as they begin to listen to me. If you lose your job tomorrow, God will make a way. Hear me. God will make a way. And in whatever area it is, God will always make a way. And He'll deliver you out of that. Amen. Would you stand?